Hello everybody and welcome to a special edition of Wednesday Night Live. This is Pastor Ron Crawford coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it's a privilege to be able to reach out to our congregation here in the Father's Church in Dallas, but also to all of our saints' family joining with us from many different places. I said it was a special edition because we, as many of you know, had somewhat of an issue with the broadcast yesterday. So this really should be Thursday morning before the sunrise live. Uh, We did not recognize that even though the program recorded, somehow the audio did not embed into the broadcast. So um, I really apologize for that. We we really couldn't figure out what exactly went wrong. We did tests just a few minutes ago, and everything seems to be functioning. So, apologies. Uh, I, you know, I was I was wondering. You know, I know what I shared yesterday, and I know that I felt that it was exactly what the Lord wanted, and I I thought it was a very inclusive broadcast. But we'll try it again today with the same topic, since I know this is what the Lord wants. So we're going to direct our attention today to the book of Romans, the 8th chapter. And we're going to be following up with a a very important theme that is in conjunction with what the Lord began to share with us on this past Sunday morning. So... If you have not heard that teaching, please don't miss the opportunity to hear that because we we spent time in Romans 8 talking particularly about what verse 15 says. And that is that we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And we talked on that broadcast about how the difference between the spirit of adoption and the spirit of bondage unto fear are specifically detailed influences that are really at the heart of spiritual warfare. On the one hand, you have God's desire, His eternal desire, to partner with you and me. Now, we can get romantic about this and say, oh, the depths of love, why does God love us so much that he would do this? And while that is true, none of us will ever be able to comprehend why that is true. So we can sing songs about it, we can regale it, we can talk about it, but the point is that God does love us. He envisioned us from the foundation of the world. He wants to be able to move and work and fellowship with us as his children, as his partners. And he gave his son so that this could be possible. And we thank God forevermore for that. Now, we have an enemy who does not want that to happen. 
Satan and the cohorts that rebelled with him are creatures that were created by God to serve, but they were never created to partner with God. The scripture says, to which of the angels at any time did he say, sit here with me at my right hand and I will put enemies under the footstool. I will adapt this measure of faith to where you are with me, you are of me, you are partnering with me. Yes, angels were created by the Spirit of God. In fact, they are ministering spirits. Yes, there are many different types of angels. And there are many who the Bible identifies as those who have a special impartation of that dimension of who he is, known as Elohim. But we must not deceive ourselves by buying into the doctrines of devils that would say that the enemy is, is a god and that he was subjugated by the God of the Old Testament who is our God, who is a terrible being. That is a doc, that, that is 101 doctrines of devils. You say, well, then why, why all this talk of Elohim? Well, the Bible also says, if you'll read it, that we are Elohim that we are that. So that deposit of the heart of God, that deposit of the caring God who wants fellowship has structured in a very intricate way the principles of his kingdom. Angels serve. And there are many righteous angels, holy angels, that serve God in the manner in which he's created them too, and they gain their fulfillment in that. But those angels seek to look into the things that God is doing. They seek to take the lid off and peer into what is coming next. They are created as ministering spirits to serve alongside those who are the heirs of salvation. That is us. And so God's desire from, we can say the foundation of the world, but even before he founded the world, was for us, people who are created by his spirit with the, with the, the wonderful imprint of God upon us, to serve him as sons, as partners, as heirs and joint heirs. That's the gospel 101. It is only possible through Jesus. It is no man comes to the Father except through him. Regardless of what good ideas you have, regardless of what doctrines you have, regardless of uh, what truths you may say you have, there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. That's the gospel. And that is what we love about our God, because he makes that available to everyone. Whoever comes to God through the blood of Jesus, accepting his sacrifice for us, being redeemed to God our Father through him, God will accept whatever human 
is willing to do that enters into the plan of God. So the gospel of adoption, the spirit of adoption, in ancient Greece meant that someone who desired to add an heir or to welcome an heir, it's more likely those who did not have natural heirs, they would go into the marketplace and they would make a loud and clear public declaration that this, whoever is identified, is now my heir, my son. And that was a legally binding thing. It was done in the Agora. It was done in the marketplace, not in a corner somewhere, not because somebody studied or stumbled upon some inane uh, belief system. It, it was done by God, and it was for us, and it was proclaimed. Now, against that, very clearly here in Romans 8, 15, is the spirit of bondage to fear. Now, if you study the word bondage, you'll see that it is a slavery type of thing. And, you know, you can preach that. You know, we were a slave to sin. We were a slave to this world. But now we have been bought back. We've been redeemed. All of that is true. However, this phrase, bondage to fear, the spirit of bondage to fear, the dualism there. Do you hear that in the progressive church? Well, here's the underlying measure. This is a Gnostic viewpoint. And Gnosticism happened, yes, throughout the times of the early church, but it didn't start there. It was, it was from many, many centuries before. In fact, you even see the remnants of it in the Garden of Eden. And it says this, in the Gnostic viewpoint, that the humans are here and they're slaves to a system that is ruled over by an insane god. And that god, our god, is, um, is holding back people and holding back other innocent spirits from fulfilling their full desire. They need to break through into the divine light and the cosmic nature and become, through all different voices, the light that they need to be. However, the dualism of that is restriction and God of the Old Testament and his scriptures that are inerr- that are errant, that are wrong, but they hold you back. That is the dualism. And you can say what you want in the progressive church, but if you dig just below the surface of the touchy-feely, let's everybody be inclusive, you see that it is a demonic structure. It is very clearly written. And that phrase, the, the bondage of fear, was used in Gnosticism. It was used for a very long time uh, in, in the attempts of uh, mystical teachers to proclaim that kind of thing. And it has gone up through our day. Today we see it in 
Again, progressivism, we see it in academia, we see it in politics, we see it in the demonic realm, of course, because that's where it originated. We see it on the internet, we see it all around us. And there is pressure upon Christians, true Christians, to amend the beliefs that are founded in the Word, or to reject many of them, and to embrace some inclusivity that is not godly and of course they'll they'll whitewash it with love you know if god is love how can he not welcome everybody if god is love how can there be judgment and a hell in the future if god and they'll say these things and people who don't think will be motivated by this plethora of touchy feely and they'll start feeling convicted and they'll abandon the way, the way, the truth, and the life of God. That is the demonic strategy. It's always been that way. And the Apostle Paul recognized it. And this beautiful passage of Scripture, as well as others, speaks about that very thing that was existent during his time and in the times that preceded him. So you find all of these nuggets of gold in this extended passage. You know, ones that we love to snatch out and build sermons on, and they're good. Like, who doesn't know? All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Ooh, that's a great one. What about, for as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. Ooh, that's a great one. And we just see all of these littered around in this, or scattered around in this passage. But the vein of gold from which all of these nuggets of gold emerged is this measure of the Spirit of adoption. And so that's what we looked at on Sunday and now we want to look a bit deeper at what verse 16 says which is the very next verse we've received the spirit of adoption verse 15 so we cry Abba Father now we've taught on this a lot Abba doesn't mean daddy you crawl up in into your parents arms and just have a boohoo session Uh, it's that tender thing you know whether you call him Papa or whatever. Abba means I am committed by birthright to your breath. I am committed to be so close to you that I am breathing your breath so that I can fulfill Ab, the first things. Ab, the first letter in Hebrew. Ab, that, that eternal purpose. And I just don't study about it and give it a try I I cry it out so on the one hand you have God proclaiming loudly in the agora of the spirit realm these are my sons this is the way and you have us receiving that by crying out as we've received the spirit of adoption we cry out Abba I will do your will this is what Jesus did well this is what happened at the at the uh, the baptism uh, in in the Jordan, when the the heavens open and the dove descends and 
the voice is heard saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm pleased. That is a, 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 the inception, the obedience of Jesus brought that about in, in the public and the spirit realm. In Gethsemane, you remember from our studies of Abba, where Jesus uh, enunciated this three times in that hour of trial, he told his disciples, could you not be with me? Could you not tarry and stay awake? Be Gregorio. Could you not be active in the Agora? Could you not be functional for me, if at least for one hour? There was the Agora where this sacrifice, Jesus patterned it. This is my beloved son. And then he was going to make it possible for us to receive what he'd purchased in the spirit of adoption, which is why he's praying there in the garden, Abba, Abba. Yes, he said, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. It wasn't, it wasn't a, an entertaining, wonderful experience. It was the exasperation of physical torture and death and being abused physically and in the spirit realm. But he paid that price for us. And in the midst of it, he prayed, Abba, while they were sleeping, Abba, Abba. He was declaring, I am committed to this. Now, did he want to do it? Well, who would? Who would want to suffer that way? You know, you see this, these paintings of Jesus with this glow on his face, and you forget that he was fully man, fully God, but fully man. He was not some will-o'-the-wisp spirit. He was going to suffer unimaginable disgrace and shame and pain. Who would want that? But he was willing for the joy, the fulfillment of the Father's will set before him to see this spirit of adoption made ready for us. And what a glorious thing that is. So, we cry, Kratzo, an appeal for it to be done, a crying out from the deepest part of our commitment, let your will be done, Father, Abba. And then it says this, the Spirit itself, or the Spirit, I, we used to teach, you know, that's impersonable. The Spirit is a person. You could say the Spirit himself. But you could just say the Spirit bears witness. And, and the itself is linked with this bearing witness. With our spirit, that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And then Paul goes on to say, and a good old hill word, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time aren't worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And he goes on, all those other gold nuggets scattered around the, the river of God. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. Now let's let's just talk about some things and then we'll come back to what's being said here, okay? So we'll set the stage. Every person has who is alive 
has the Spirit of God within them. Without it, you would not be living. When every person dies, they surrender that Spirit. At the cross, Jesus says, Into thy hands, Heavenly Father, I commend my Spirit. And he gave up the Spirit, and he died. The question is, are you born again? Is that spirit within you being given its intended purpose? Is it come to life in spirit and in truth? The only way is through accepting Jesus and to accept this spirit of adoption and then that measure of God's spirit within then just doesn't give physical life, but it begins to give spiritual life. I believe, and I think that I know that the scripture bears this out, that not only is there a life giving of that spirit within, but for each of us, it's the same and it's different. It's the same in that it's from God. No one gets more than anybody else. There's a measure of faith that's given to every person, but every person is different. Everyone has their role, their eternal role to fulfill according to the will and plan of God. You are predestined with that dimension, not as to whether you're going to be born again or not, but you, you've been given an intended pathway from God. And when you accept that, there's a wonderful progression of this, you are called to fulfill that, and then as you accept that calling, then you begin to move in God's power, in, in, in his vision for you, and then you participate in the glory of God, that partnership with what God wants to do, which is for you. It's something new. It's wonderful. But it's in alignment with God. So to whom he foreordained, he justified, he called, and he justified, and he led into the glory. There it is in Scripture. So we say, Father, yes, I accept Jesus. And suddenly, that identity as a son begins to be alive. And we then can come into alignment, if we're willing, to accept what God's called us to do. And, and as we partner with him, he will show us things that need to be done, which is the heart of righteousness, in, in order that we can partner with God's glory. But it all begins with accepting the gift of Jesus, the spirit of adoption, becoming redeemed to the Father, and knowing God. And this then is activated in our spirit. Now, what happens? It says that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit, with our spirit. Do you notice that now? Don't skip over that. The Spirit of God comes to meet with our spirit. After we have engaged in redemption and embrace this spirit of adoption, our spirit comes alive to pursue the truth of the Lord. And the Spirit of God 
bears witness with us. We'll talk about what that means. But you notice then that we've got to commit ourselves, we just read it, to this process of serving God. And, and as you serve God faithfully, he promotes you and gives you greater measures of responsibility. It's, it's throughout the Word. Just read it. The idea that when a Christian's born, they have every capacity and they have every measure of authority is just hogwash. I mean, I know a lot of Christians that wouldn't know how to open the door to, to get into the church. They live in the shallow lands. Authority, the potential of authority, the, the desire for God to give you the authority to serve him is there, but you have to earn that before God. You, you do what God gives you with the talents. He gives you authority over more cities. You're faithful in the small things. He makes you ruler over many. There are many scriptures like that. In life, do we just give someone authority? Or do we, or do we make them by their faithfulness and by their attention to detail and by their, by their willingness to serve in the way that is commensurate with authority, we watch them and we say, okay, You've done this, now you can be promoted. We see that. The potential for the people of God is in alignment with what God has ordained for us to be. See, we can't be competitive. We can't. This is where iniquity comes into Christians. They compare one another. They want to compete. The nice girl doesn't get the corner office. And you apply that stuff. You know, I, do, I wasn't given this gift, so I'm going to sit over here and I'm going to pout. And then I'm going to accept some ungodly thing so that I can finally fulfill my destiny. No, you're not. You're fulfilling your lust and your pride. You're fulfilling your iniquity, the twistings of what God has created you to be. It, it, everything we read in the scripture, God promotes the humble. Some people are promoted through their humility, but they don't realize their promotion because they really got their eye on something else. The meek inherit the earth, not the, the big dude on the block who's beat everybody else and found that, that, uh, that position of uh, grandeur. So the way, the way to participate with God as he increases is by you continuing to say, I'm going to decrease. That's friend of the bridegroom stuff. And the way you are going to be caught up in the secret place of thunder is being contrite, contrition. And so we want to get to the basic of who God wants us to be. And that can only be done through spending time with him, spending time in his word, obeying what he says, being humble, and doing what he says to do. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. As I pastored in pastoral ministry for over 40 years, and I've heard people say, doesn't God know where I am? Doesn't he see? I've been passed over, blah, 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 blah. And it's just irritating to me because I think, yeah, God sees you. And as soon as you stop bellyaching about what he's done to you or what he's not done to you, and you just do what he asks you to do, 
well then that measure of humility will put you in a position to to serve him and not yourself and then he can entrust you with more so it all comes down to what your motive is this word where the spirit bears witness with our spirit this is a this derives from marturio which is the spirit of um, prophecy is the marturia of Jesus. It's not just being willing to die, even though that's the essence of it. It's being willing to die for something that you absolutely are committed to, that you believe to your core, that you believe um, beyond any any measure of um, fluctuation. You you have embraced this to the very essence of who you are, and you're willing to die to self. You're willing to die to emotion. You're willing to die to pride. You're willing to die to competition. You die daily so that this measure of what God's called you to be can happen. And that's the power that's the essence that's the spirit of prophecy we die so that the message of God can be brought forth and we proclaim that not ourselves but that not somebody else's the most popular message of the day we proclaim that that God has given us that's martyria so you think about martyrs in history people burned at the stake people um, murdered you know Hebrews 11 speaks the hall of faith there and um, uh, why did they endure to the end because you know really those extreme measures leveled against them were really testing do you really believe in what you're saying how much are you willing to die for those things and so yes it's a willingness to die but it's rooted and grounded in that integral belief in something and our belief here is in conjunction with what God the Father has called us to be as sons to which we willingly openly and ardently commit ourselves to so the spirit note this now this is um, a, a sumoterio this is only used a few times in the new testament where it it means a co-laborer in the testimony it's a very unique word but it is a co-testator it's 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 god himself committing to this mission the spirit of god god's ways who he is committing to this process not only has he made the statement publicly not only has he laid out this pathway for you but he remains committed to it it's the spirit that works with us when you and there's so many things that speak about what the spirit within does those of you pentecostals you speak in diverse tongues in unknown tongues 
The Bible says that we, the Spirit, prays in those languages, the mysteries of God to God. That there's there's a lot of things that the Spirit within does in conjunction with the Spirit of God. Uh, now it's all the Spirit of God. Don't don't get me wrong, but His deposit within you, that measure of life and identity, which is born again through Christ, that's of God. But it is it is it is to be in commune while you're in this earthly body with the overall measure of what the Spirit of God is doing. Does that make sense? Just think about it a while. So, here the Spirit of God is a co-committee, a co-committer to the marturia of fulfilling what God's purpose is. And, you know, I said this term isn't used often it's not in the new testament it's is very rare but i want to just touch base on some factors that are identified when this this is used um okay let's look at romans 2 15 it speaks about our conscience bearing witness and then in Romans 9, 1, just a few verses after our passage here in eight sixteen, it says, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not my conscience, also bearing me witness, there's our word, in the Holy Ghost. Let's, let's stop right there because you have this connection with something called the conscience. Now, I don't want to get too philosophical here. But the conscience, let's just get uh, uh, conscience for dummies, Jiminy Cricket style. Um, the conscience is, is really <clears throat> the, the viewpoint of the heart. If, if our heart, and it is true, is the steering wheel of our of our existence and therein we govern what our emotions are what our mind says what our experiences say um, what we're receiving in the spirit realm the opinions of other people our heart has to say i'm considering all these factors but i am going in this direction with the heart man believes you set your course there, which is why I say it's the steering wheel of your life. Well, the conscience is the viewpoint of that decision. Now, some people say, oh, don't you have a conscience when people do terrible things? Everybody has this capacity. Everybody functions by those certain rules. Everybody uh, in the world will make decisions and then commit themselves to a certain pathway. They, If they're not born again, or in many cases if they are born again, their heart could be taking them to places where, where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. What do you treasure? And so the conscience is really the viewpoint of this. So whenever things then come to your heart, 
you process okay what do i feel about this what do i what well i can't do that because my conscience won't allow it what's that mean well i have this belief system that i have embraced and if i'm really committed to this i can't do that or i will do this so the conscience within us is in alignment with this martyria or at least it should be how much are you willing to give yourself are you willing to live as if you're dead to sin dead to the world are you a living sacrifice you know i like what jack hayford said on many occasions the only problem with a living sacrifice is it has a propensity to crawl off the altar is your conscience really committed to your martyria for the lord are you dying to all these other factors or to the influence of these other factors so that you might fulfill what God's Spirit has created you to be, what you are predestined, foreordained to do and to be? That's the big question. So our conscience has to be in alignment. But the beauty of, of our message today is that the Spirit of God has shown his commitment. Yes, he made the statement. Yes, he proclaimed it in the Agora. Yes, it is eternal plan. Yes, so we cry, Abba, Father, I'll do your will. But God isn't like some preachers say, when Jesus ascended and he sat at the right hand, he's done everything he's going to do, he's seated. When I come home from work, I sit down and I'm done for the day. You know, the Lord is ever living to make intercession. The Lord is praying for the saints according to the will of God. The Lord is with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He stands, Jude 2, in our terio. We should say, instead of what would Jesus do, we should say, what is Jesus doing? W-I-J-D. <laughs> Maybe that meant, what is Jesus doing? What is the Spirit doing? Maybe we should have a pneumaticos book. You know, instead of where's Waldo, we should say where's Jesus or where's the Spirit and then have pictures of things that the Scripture plainly says that the Spirit of God is doing, that Jesus is doing now and, and have people try to identify where it is. See, we don't see this. It's all in conjunction with the will of God. So the Spirit, the ways of God, the lamps before the throne, His ways, the heart of who He is, the essence of who He is, who God is, is committed now. Everything God has in His martyria is submitted to this plan that He's offering you. Do you see that? Everything God does is committed to what? You being a son. You know, you, you hear again, I'm, I'm just stating this. I'm really, it's easy to take shots at ministries because there's so many goofy things that go on and people just buy because we're sheep. But, you know, I hear people say, the most important thing to God is this nation. The most important thing to God is this thing. Well, I'm going to tell you, what the most important thing to God is. 
it's said right here that you will fulfill what he has ordained for you to be as a son. That is what the Spirit is dying for now. That's the word that's used. The Spirit bears witness. And that's why it's itself, or or some purists, well, some emotional purists would say himself. But the point is, the Spirit commits to dying with you so that this role of sonship, which the enemy hates, will be fulfilled. Isn't that beautiful? Do you realize that God is so invested in that way? God wants this more than you do, I think. Well, definitely. Um, I God is committed to this. And that's why he works with those who are contrite. That's why he works with those who are dying to self daily. Because he's dying daily. This is the, what the scripture says. How can God die? Well, it's the issue of saying nothing else is important to me more so than this. That's your martyria. That's what you're willing to lay it all on the line for. And here the Spirit is joining with you in that pursuit. So if you're not doing that, I want you to hear me now. As much as the Spirit wants to do these things in and through you, if you're not doing that, then how can you be a, a co-martyrio with him? Or sum martyrio? How can you be that? You, you can't have... It's it's the ultimate divine human agreement, and if if you're not, he's not. So the enemy always works at that. First of all, he doesn't want you to believe this business of sonship. He wants you to believe the spirit of of bondage unto fear. He wants you to ignore what God's identity is in you. He wants you to think that the only thing God lives for is to answer your prayer. And to make your life cozier. He wants you to focus on all the benefits of quote unquote faith. So that you can get what you want. Who serves who? You come to service on Sunday morning. Does that mean God's serving you or does that mean you're serving him? See the enemy wants you to focus so much on yourself. That you don't die to self. You try to use the power of God to make self grow and be blessed. I'm blessed. Well, the best bless is to serve God. Well done, good and faithful servant. But if if you're serving iniquity, if you're serving self, if you if you've crawled off the altar and you don't even know where the altar is anymore, how can you expect to have a co-marturia? You can only have that when you're knowledgeably in faith by the power of God serving what God wants. Then God can come and be that with you. He's not going to make you be that. He's not going to make you die. He's not going to make you submit yourself. Do you see this? Now there's one other passage 
You can look these up for yourself. I mean, Romans 2.15, and Revelation 22.18. This last passage is amazing, and it, it very much is for those who have bought into the spirit of bondage, who are now questioning the scripture, who are now saying that God's word is great, it's full of errors, but it's, it's, it's not alone. There are other scriptures that are equally as, as divine. Or, have you really read the scripture? I've got these scholastic idiots who, who are saying these things from the original language. That, that didn't begin now. That was back in the Gnostic days. You can read it. Read about what the Gnostics, the the intertestamental Gnostics did. They would take the Jewish scriptures. It's to some degree where Kabbalah came from, but it's not just that. They would take the Jewish scriptures and they would try to make them say anything. And they would they would say this is what you know this is what it really means. Which is why then the Pharisees rose up and the scribes and the doctors of the law to defend against that, but in doing that, they became their own prisoners, jailers. And Jesus said, you're the blind leading the blind. But I digress. There's a big time attack against the scriptures today. Even people who say they love God are saying, oh, you know, we don't have to have the scripture as our guide and everything. Because it just doesn't talk about everything. Whoa. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Let's look at this passage. In Revelation 22, verse 18. For I testify. For I testify. Let's Okay, let's read verse 16. I, Jesus, has sent my angel... To testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Now the spirit, what spirit? It's your spirit. Partnering with the spirit of God. Only you can say, come. Now God's spirit is in alignment with you in that. But it would be kind of ridiculous for God to say to himself, come. Do you ever think about that? The spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears say, come. Let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. So who's talking here? Jesus. Now our verse. For I testify, sum marturio, the last issuance of this, it's all about sonship. It's all about us partnering with God. I testify unto every man that hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in the book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in in this book. Wow. Jesus. We've already seen 
the Father has made this commitment. He's the author of the spirit of adoption. We've seen that the Spirit of God is speaking in this sumartario. And now we see Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the beginning and the end. And he's saying, I am, I am witnessing with you together. I'm marturing with you. And anybody who adds to this book or takes away from this book, I'll just say it like we would say it in Texas, you're in a heap of trouble. Can you see this? This thread that the Spirit is saying, the enemy does not want humanity to recognize God created people for the purpose of partnering with him. I believe very strongly that our enemy has hated this. He was a man killer, Jesus said from the very beginning. Pride and that iniquity of jealousy and that iniquity of being bitter because of God's love for us rose up in him. And he wanted to destroy you, me, this desire of God. Throughout the scripture, it happened over and over again in the garden, at Noah's Ark, and on down through. Uh, it, it's it's, it's a, such a powerful theme. God, over and over again, has extended himself for this plan to be. He's not forcing anybody to do it. You notice, he said, well, if God really wants this, he sure has messed it up over and over again. I hear people say that in their, in their philosophical debates. God didn't mess anything up. You can't coerce this. You can't mandate people to do this. You can't make somebody love you. You can't force somebody to devote. Then you have automatons. Then you have not partners, but uh, those that are engaged in menial labor at your behest. So God has laid this out. He tried everything in according to his perfect outlay through the old covenant. And then he, he looked for somebody who would stand with him in the gap. He found none. And so he himself came. And that spirit of adoption is available. It's the ultimate thing anyway. He had to show that man could would not do it on their own. He had to show that that as gracious as he was to all of the patriarchs and all these other mighty men and women, he had to show that that in itself wouldn't work. He tried that. Not because he thought, well, I'll give it a shot. He tried it so he could prove that the only way this would happen is if he gave himself, which he did. And now the Father proclaims it. Now the Spirit is standing with you as, as uh, a joint martyr. And now he says, you commit yourself, I'll commit myself. And the very end usage of this powerful word, this divine link to the martyria, is Jesus. And he's talking about the book. What book's he talking about? That little book that was given to him 
when he ascended as the slain lamb. All of those books that are written on there aren't there there aren't any idle pages in that thesaurus place in that oracle place. There aren't any blank pages there. If you've stumbled into a place in God's library and it's just open for new writings, forget about it. He's the author and the finisher. He's already written it. He's not scribbling it as he goes. He's not doing what our our brother uh, Bishop Hammond said, that the, the, the 30 minutes of silence in heaven is for all the prophetic teachers to update their charts. You know, it's it's all written. And that partnership with God's eternal plan, if you start messing around with it, if you add to it, oh, there are other words. Oh, it's still being written. Or if you take away, no, we don't believe this. How could God say that? Look what a tyrant he is. Oh, that's terrible. Oh, this is errant. You're in trouble. And Jesus commits himself to that eternal, he is the living word. That's why he commits himself to it. He is the one that paid the price for us to be able to live as partners, sons, with our Father. So what does this mean to you? You know, Sunday when God, he's been talking to us about a lot of different things over the past month that are just profound from his word. And Sunday when I brought the initial part of this word I felt like this is so often the case for a pneumaticos group I brought the word in and laid it out it wasn't all dressed out it wasn't served a two inch steak on a plate with all the accoutrements around it it was just there and I I, I could feel the fire of the Lord and just his his powerful theatron of revelation and I, I always come away from that thinking Thank you, Father, for this. But, man, I could have presented it better. You know, strong meat belongs to those who are, who are of full age, who have committed themselves, who are mature, who are willing to do what's necessary to, to receive it, to find it and receive it. That's the challenge with so many Christians. They want, it's what the Apostle Paul said, you know, you should be ministering in the oracle, but you are those that need me to come and give you the bottle again. Jesus said to his disciples, there's a whole lot of things I would like to tell you now, but you can't bear them now. I don't believe, as some say, that Jesus was saying, you just wait, there's more coming, even though we know that's true. If Jesus meant what he said, I would like to tell you, he meant that. Why couldn't he? Because he upbraided them how many times because of unbelief, because of hardness of heart, because their ears had waxed over. And, and he wanted to tell them more, but they weren't willing to hear it. I want to be those that are as the oracle of God, which is what the scripture said we should be. But Jesus, has, as the author, the living word, is dying the sumertario you say wait a second i thought jesus died and rose again of course he did is he being sacrificed again no but this measure of dying marturia 
has more to do essentially is how much do you believe in in what your testimony is and are you willing to let every other thing fall aside so that that might come to fruition that's what jesus is doing that's what the spirit of god is doing that's what the word of god is doing that's what the father is committed to and that's what we must do around us in the world today as i mentioned before modern day gnosticism progressive ideologies doctrines of devils there's nothing new about it just because it's on the internet doesn't make it new just because it's got all kinds of cool graphics and all kinds of bogus things you know god didn't really create us these beings from the sky did it you you better repent of of those lies they're doctrines of devils and here you have if you add to or take away from this book that jesus who's talking here jesus is jesus is saying i have committed myself i testify unto every person hearing the words of this prophecy akuo he that has an ear let him really hear are you hearing or are you listening that's the essence so thank god we're sons thank god we have a, an, an, a, an eternal identity and i don't think it's any accident that i don't like it that yesterday's broadcast oh did not come through i don't want to blame everything on the enemy but there's no reason that this equipment you know both scott and pastor fabian and the twins looked at this yesterday after late afternoon in the evening and could find no reason why this didn't broadcast maybe it's so that i could come up here on this thursday morning on my birthday and re-record the thing and i thought lord maybe that's a nice thing in in so many ways because i always come on the celebration of my birthday early in the morning and i thank god for the way he has given me life and preserved me in spite of myself and given me the opportunity to see these things in the word and to do my best to to fulfill why he let me live on this earth to begin with and maybe today that's a message for you maybe it's something that you've been needing to hear have other things taken priority in your life have other things risen to the steering wheel of your heart is your conscience being motivated by things that are not really god's purpose for you i think back over my life and i see so many things that came that were so important at the time and now I can't even remember a lot of them I can remember certain facets of it but not the groundswell the tsunami of events that was just oh so important to me at that time 
the most important thing eternally in your life is whether you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, whether you've accepted the spirit of adoption whereby you are redeemed to the Father, to the right hand of the throne, and where you cry out for all to hear, Abba, Father, you are my Father, let your will be done. And then you engage in partnering with the Spirit of God. You engage in partnering with the Word of God. You engage in partnering with your elder brother, your Redeemer, your friend, your Savior, Jesus. Are we committed to that? Is that our martyria? Well, if it is, then we have a co-martyria. And that is our God. Thanks for joining today. It's such a privilege to be able to walk together with the saints. And I pray that this delay uh, in this broadcast going out will be serve to be a blessing from our Father to you. Until next time we're together, we're praying for you. God bless you. And goodbye.